football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Oh, we are ready to go. We are back, and the college football season is kind of sort of here this weekend, but it's really, really here next weekend for Labor Day weekend. And then that also means the NFL games are for real the following week and weekend. Welcome in to the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs. I am your somewhat capable host, and we've got much to get to on this first of a couple of preview editions. We're going to preview the college football season over the course of this week and next week. And the NFL is obviously looming in two weekends. They will start their uh, 100th season of the National Football League with the Bears and the Packers two weeks from tonight. The oldest rivalry in the NFL will kick off the NFL season, but for now, loads of college football. So glad that you're with us. Wherever you're hanging out, want to tell you straight ahead, we're going to talk to the Phil Steele, who has the premier college football preview magazine edition that you can find to get you ready for the upcoming season. I'm talking about there are preview magazines, there are uh, preview books, and then there's the encyclopedia. Remember what encyclopedias used to be when we were kids? Our kids today have no idea what those are because they have this thing called the internet. Phil's still got an encyclopedia of, of a preview that is on the newsstands if you can find it. More with him on that. But also the digital subscription. I mean, there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of pages of great info on all the teams, all the conferences in college football. Phil will tell you about how long he works on this. Uh, he's got some unique insight, uh, not just from historical perspectives on which teams are going to be better, stock market going up, stock market going down, uh, trends with analytics on things like turnovers and and uh, yards per game and yards allowed per game and, and point differentials in conference play, all kinds of different things that are in this preview. And Phil watches almost every college game every week, either live or also uh, through DVR or whatever to be uh, to be able to be up on all of this stuff throughout the year. So Phil Steele is going to be with me as a special guest to help preview the start of the college football season, who he likes for the college football playoff when it's all said and done. Yes, everybody loves Alabama and Clemson. That's going to be a theme. But who does Phil like besides those two teams? Who's a dark horse team that he likes? He'll talk some Heisman with me. We'll get into some of the early season matchups and teams to watch out for, stock up on a couple of teams to increase their win total uh, it's a great conversation with phil so look forward to that uh, here in a little bit i am in the sunshine state the state of florida do this show out of west central florida here as part of three dog thursday and oh like like the late keith jackson oh let me tell you about florida and miami uh florida gators miami hurricanes renew hostilities they have they they used to play every year. When I moved to the state of Florida back in the in the mid 1980s, I feel like I'm now a a Floridian forever because I've been in Florida for 35 years. Miami and Florida a regular hated rivalry thing uh, every year 
And I still remember the first year uh, that I had lived here, 1984, actually the second fall that I had lived here. I uh, got here in the fall of 83, but the, the fall of 84, epic Miami uh, versus Florida game at the old Tampa Stadium, not far from where I'm doing this podcast, with Bernie Kosar throwing the game-winning touchdown pass to Eddie Brown, the wide receiver. And I believe this is correct. i got to double-check on all the info. i got to look up in my research here and find this. I believe I remember this correctly, that on both sides of the ball, that Miami-Florida game in 1984, for both teams combined, had 40 or more, 4-0 or more players who were eventually drafted in the National Football League. How good was the talent pool that night at Old Tampa Stadium for a dramatic, crazy, neutral field game? Gators from Gainesville, about 90 minutes to the north of Tampa, Miami playing in Tampa from about four hours to the southeast. Uh, It was epic that night, and they used to play all the time. They don't play that much anymore. They haven't played since 2013, Miami and the Gators. And ESPN loves this game so much, they moved it up a week. Originally scheduled for August 31st for Saturday. It will now be this Saturday night in prime time. And it'll be my pleasure to have the Hall of Fame voice of the Florida Gators, Mick Hubert, with me to help preview Florida-Miami coming Saturday night neutral field in Orlando this time. Uh, My understanding is it's 50-50 on the ticket split for each school. I have a feeling there will be more Gator orange and blue than Miami uh, orange, green, and white. Uh, It's more or less orange and white with a little bit of green uh, for the Canes. Uh, the Gators uh, have the state in terms of most alumni, most fervent fans. Sorry, Florida State. Sorry, UCF. I know I know you're still doting on your 2017 national championship. But uh, in Orlando, the bigger game is going to be Florida and Miami for Saturday. Mick Hubert will be with me talking about that later in the podcast. We're often going to have a Vegas angle. I'm going to go out to Las Vegas on this edition of the show and talk with a radio broadcasting cohort named T.C. Martin. Initials brother from another mother, T.C. Martin in Las Vegas will help me talk Vegas odds on the college football playoff, Vegas odds on the Heisman Trophy, some teams he likes as kind of uh, dark horses for this year. So T.C. is going to be part of this show uh, frequently on Three Dog Thursday. So I look forward to talking with him later on in the program about the Vegas angle. Uh, We've got so much in store, college football and the NFL. And again, I will be making some underdog predictions. Now, obviously, we only have two college games this weekend uh, of note uh, in uh, in the big-time college football in FBS Division I with Florida and Miami and also Arizona and Hawaii will play late night on the islands uh, with Khalil Tate and the Wildcats. Kevin Sumlin's second year playing against Hawaii. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll get more into the actual underdog predictions uh, as uh, as the weeks go by. Obviously, Miami is a decided seven point underdog with new head coach Manny Diaz against Florida, but not enough games to get into three underdogs. But typically, each week I'll give you three underdogs uh, that we uh, love and come up with for college football in the NFL. That's all we do is underdogs here on this podcast against the number. And, uh, and we had week after week after week over the last uh, couple of seasons where two, three, four different underdogs are clicking and coming through. So you're going to want to pay attention to the underdog picks, the guests that I have on, and how that works here as part of Three Dog 
Thursday. So Phil Steele is coming up straight ahead. Mick Hubert with me in a little bit. Uh, also, T.C. Martin from Las Vegas as part of this kickoff podcast to start the college football season. A reminder, subscribe to this podcast, however you found it, through our friends at Red Circle. Uh, or if you found it on iTunes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Find the show, subscribe to it. It'll come automatically to you on Thursday mornings by Thursday mid-afternoon. You'll have the podcast no matter what time zone that you're in. You get an automatic ding on your device, on your handheld device, on your iPad, wherever you listen to your podcast, however you consume those. Uh, we love the subscribers, so find us on iTunes, find us via Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Red Circle Podcasting ho- hosting us. You can go to uh, Get Red Circle, jump on there, and the podcast is available with a live link, and you'll see me publicizing that as well. But subscribe, rate the show, publicize the show. Another reminder, too, before we get to the special guests, uh, great uh, partners of ours ha- have uh, have got a new upcoming NFL uh, style, pro football style portfolio cha- uh, challenge. It is our friends at FanVest Wagering Exchange. You're going to hear me talking about FanVest Wagering Exchange all throughout, especially the early season here as things get underway. Uh, FanVest is to pro football what the stock market is for all of us investing. So the pro football portfolio challenge is up. It's a new way to experience fantasy sports. It lets you trade the teams like stocks. You can buy low, sell high. They have weekly contests at FanVestWageringExchange.com and a season-long contest. So you invest in teams, whether it's the Patriots, the Cowboys, the Rams, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You invest either weekly weekly or season long on how you think they will do on will they win and by how much and you can invest in one team and load up or invest in several teams and kind of spread out your stock portfolio so again fanvestwageringexchange.com the preseason sign up going on right now the contest will begin the opening week for pro football with the that Bears Packers game and of course uh, the Patriots defend their Super Bowl title they're the Sunday night game Monday night doubleheader my bucks are hosting the 49ers invest in these teams with fanvest wagering exchange Go to FanVestWageringExchange.com. FanVest uh, Wagering Exchange is on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to find out more. It's free. Weekly prizes, season-long contest, pre-season sign-up going on right now. Sign up for free and uh, find out more at FanVestWageringExchange.com. With that out of the way, let's get to our first guest. Time to talk tons of college football on this kickoff edition of Three Dog Thursday. Here we go. I know that it is time for college football whenever I go and purchase. And as as I like to point out, I go purchase the Phil Steele preview guide every year, unlike dozens of my mooch colleagues in the college football and sports media that Phil Steele graciously sends them the guide, I actually help pay the bills for Phil Steele on a small, small level, and I go subscribe to get his college football preview. I have the 2019 preview, and I have the man that authors that tremendous, insightful uh, preview with me right now, Phil Steele here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. It's about that time, my friend. I'm excited. I know you're excited. I know college football fans are excited. How are you? I am doing great, TJ, and I, I want to thank you for buying the magazine this year. So I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that you uh, 
get it every single year. I do, and I purchase it, and I joke. You used to now, long ago, you used to send it to me, like you send it to many others. But I just want to point out, people should go and buy it. And oh, no, by the way, we've now modernized with the digital subscription, where if they have an iPad or on their device, they can get the Phil Steele preview on their phone, on their iPad. So we're going to do this a couple times where we encourage you go subscribe digitally as well. It's amazing that we've now evolved to that point where they can they can get your preview, your elaborate preview on their device, Phil. What a what a what a world we live in technologically. Yeah. You know, and the good thing about that TJ is so many times when it gets to be the end of the season, if you carry your magazine with around with you all the time, it gets all dog-eared and torn up and pages start <laughs> falling out. If you get the digital copy, you can carry that around with you and let the other copy sit on your coffee table or on your desk at work and then yeah, it'll it'll stay in better health throughout the season. Okay, so uh, let's get into it. I'll, I'll circle back to the fun things about you putting the preview together, how long it takes, Saturdays watching football, that kind of thing. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Right, right off the bat, in the college football playoff, everybody believes that this is Alabama and Clemson's college football playoff to blow or not be in the Final Four. You, you have them both there. You likewise have the Georgia Bulldogs and the Michigan Wolverines at the end of all of this in the Phil Steele prediction. So, okay, let's begin with Alabama and Clemson. A fun one for you. If one of them is not going to make it to the end of this and the Final Four, which one is more likely to not make it and why? What would you say? Uh, I'm going to go with Alabama, and the reason would be the schedule. When you look at Clemson this year and you look at their schedule, first of all, I think both teams are equally talented. They're both uh, uh, clearly the best teams in college football. But Clemson's going to be at least a 17-point favorite in every single game this year. Their toughest that game may be Texas A&M at home. Say, say that again, please. At least a 17-point favorite in all of them? Every single game. Yeah, the closest one right now in Vegas is Texas A&M at home where they're a 17.5-point favorite. So that's <laughs> the closest game all season long. Uh, with Alabama, they've got a few landmines on the schedule. They do have to travel to face uh, Texas A&M on the road. They play a, an underrated game against Mississippi State on the road, which is always tough. They, of course, play LSU, a top-10 team. Uh, and then they have to go to Jordan-Hare Stadium and play Auburn, which is also a top-10 team talent-wise. So a few more bumps on the road. But with that said, Alabama right now is a double-digit favorite in every single game. So it certainly appears we're headed for another Alabama-Clemson showdown. But if you're out there saying, I don't want to see that again, here's what I point out to you, TJ, is that the last two years, Alabama's beaten Georgia each year, including the national championship game two years ago. They have led for a grand total of one minute and four seconds in those games combined. <laughs> one minute and four seconds. So Georgia really has outplayed Alabama for the most part, but come up short. And the other one would be, you know, last year, Clemson, as dominant as they were, and we saw them just dominate Alabama in the title game, they played Syracuse as a four-touchdown favorite at home last year and they actually trailed by two scores in the fourth quarter. They needed a fourth-and-ten conversion on their final drive by their third-string quarterback to keep it alive. Had they lost that game, they would have tied Syracuse in the standings last year, and Syracuse would have been in the ACC title game. Clemson might not have even made the playoffs. So the opportunity exists in college football for it not to be 
be Alabama-Clemson this year. As we say numerous times, you have to let it play out because something can happen with an injury and then then suddenly uh, to, to either Tua or to, to Trevor Lawrence and then the whole dynamic could change for these. I mean, we went into last season, we didn't know who Trevor Lawrence was. Remember, Kelly Bryant was playing at the beginning of the year and they beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M with Kelly Bryant at quarterback. And then it was later in the year when when Davos Winnie said, "I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence." That, that's my point: is that sometimes you got to let this play out. And October and November will be very intriguing for that region uh, with injuries and, and how it plays out. All right, so Georgia and Michigan are your other two in the mix. Just go one by one. Why do you why do you like them the best out of any of the possible candidates to end up in the CFP's Final Four? Well, I think with Georgia, you're looking at an even stronger team than last year. They've got uh, Swift in the backfield. They've got Jake Fromm, a quarterback. they got my number two rated offensive line in the country. And while they lose their top four receivers from last year, their top guy only had about 500 yards receiving. I like this year's receiving core. I think they'll be just fine. Defense is stronger. I think they're actually a little bit better team than the one they had last year. And as mentioned, the last two years, they've played Alabama. They have trailed for a total of one minute and four seconds in those two games combined, yet lost them both. So the opportunity exists for them. And with Michigan, you know, there's been a lot of people jumping up, TJ, and screaming Michigan the last couple of years, and Michigan this and Michigan that. I have not been one of them. If you've read the magazine over the last 11 years, I've picked Ohio State over Michigan 11 straight times. It's, <laughs> it's tough to do radio shows in, in Michigan where they, they call me an Ohio homer, but guess what? I've been right 10 of the 11 times. That's the only right. time I wasn't was when they, when they had an interim head coach. But this year, I like Michigan. They've got four legitimate All-American candidates on the offensive line. So one of the top offensive lines in the country. Josh Gaddis comes over from Alabama. I think that's a perfect fit for the spread offense for Shea Patterson. They're deep at quarterback. They've got dangerous receivers. They always have a top-10 defense under Don Brown. And then the schedule. They host their toughest three teams, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. I think it's laid out for Michigan to finally get it done this year. It's the first time in 12 years I've called for Michigan to top Ohio State, but I'm doing it this year. How about that? I mean, the game at Wisconsin in September, September 21st, is arguably their toughest road game. Yes, Penn State maybe in October, but that might be their toughest road game. They get by that. Uh, they might not have a, a really difficult uh, game on the road the rest of the way until you would get to a neutral site in the Big Ten championship game. So we'll see how it plays out for the Wolverines. And of course, uh, Jim Harbaugh has been under fire for not beating the best teams on his schedule, the rivalry teams like Ohio State, like Michigan State, or like the top 10 teams. Is it fair to say, Phil Steele, that right now as we begin this season, that Jim Harbaugh was overrated to the, and has been overrated to this point for the money Michigan is paying him to restore them to greatness? He hasn't even won the division to be in the Big Ten title game, much less won the Big Ten, much less been in the college football playoff. At this point, I, I think it's fair to say his tenure's been overrated. He's got to deliver. Well, he did take over a team that had been seven and six and five and seven the previous two years. But yes, I would have to say Michigan fans are disappointed he hasn't got past Ohio State. Although Michigan fans will also point out that in 2016, when that game went to the second overtime, they still feel strongly that Ohio State was stopped on that fourth down and they actually won that game. But uh, that's that's a whole nother conversation, TJ. But yeah, I would say for the most part, Michigan fans were hoping for at least one Big Ten title in his first four years. Those Michigan fans will be talking about that fourth down play. 
play in in uh, 2039 and 2059 besides 2019. It's just part of the lore. Phil Steele is with me in the Phil Steele uh, college football preview. I love his insight. Um, okay, so you have a couple of metrics that I love looking at. One of them is the stock market, uh, You know, kind of like playing the stock market, whose stock is rising, and really at the top of that stock market metric, you like the Louisville Cardinals to really bounce back with Scott Satterfield now as their head coach. What intrigues you about Louisville as we open up this season? Well, yeah, the stock market indicator is one of those where it's buy low, sell high, and it, it takes teams that bottomed out, and Louisville definitely bottomed out last year. You, you opened up the season with some promise, but then the whole uh, Petrino thing happened, and boom, they were just getting blown out at the end of the year. Now, Satterfield did a phenomenal job at App State, and he's not taking over an overly talented team, but he's got 10 starters back on defense, and offensively, if he can get some production out of Puma Pass, who I thought was an improved quarterback, especially this August, They've got the receiving core, uh, which can, can be dangerous, and they've got some players up front. And it's just a whole new attitude. I think that's going to help as well. So I think you're going to see a much improved Louisville on the field. I don't think they're going to get to a bowl game this year. It's going to probably be a little too tough. But uh, to go from two wins, I can easily see them getting to four or five this year with a, a vastly improved team. And they open with Notre Dame, uh, actually, in that, uh, in, in that Monday matchup on Labor Day night that the ACC seems to have a foothold on. They do play at Florida State. They do later in the year play Clemson and a couple of weeks later uh, play at Miami. So it's not easy uh, for them. But you're saying look for them to be improved, and we'll see uh, if that's the case. Another team you have your eye on, in fact, you have them at the top of your 2019 most improved section, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Scott Frost's second year. A lot of times coaches talk about the second year of their program to be able to make a jump when you're rebuilding. Why, why should we pay a lot of attention to Nebraska this year? Yeah, and I can give you a big list here, TJ. Uh, when I look at Nebraska, and keep in mind, last year my number one most improved team was Florida. And Florida was coming off a 4-7 and seven yep. season. They, yep. they finished number seven in the country last year. So I'm expecting similar things out of Nebraska. Now, when Scott Frost took over, he did not step into a good situation. They were a pass-happy offense under Mike Riley. Their offensive line was geared for pass blockers. Well, guess what? He brought in the spread option offense, Adrian Martinez, a quarterback. They had to learn entirely new blocking schemes, and it took a while. The first six games last year, they averaged 23 points per game. But over the last six games, about 37 points per game. They started to catch on, and now as you touch on TJ, second year of the new head coach. Everybody knows the systems. The coaches know the players. We're going to see a big time improvement both sides of the football. Then the schedule. The schedule gets a lot easier this year. Michigan drops off the schedule. Michigan State drops off the schedule. In fact, out of the Big Ten East, they avoid Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. The only one of the big boys they play is Ohio State. And last year, even in a four and eight season, they went into Columbus and only lost to Ohio State by five. This year, they get Ohio State at home. Now, the Big Ten West is a wide-open conference. Any one of six teams can win it. But their three toughest competitors are probably Wisconsin, Iowa, and then last year's champ, Northwestern. Guess what? They get all three teams at home this year. I could play in a scenario where Nebraska goes from 4-8 and eight up to double-digit wins. I've got them winning the Big Ten West this year, and I think you will see a vastly improved Nebraska team. They're my number one most improved team in the country. How about that? All right. Love the insight here from Phil Steele with us for a few more moments. It is a Three Dog Thursday podcast. Again, you can go to philsteele.com 
anytime and find out more information about his publication, about the digital preview, uh, and also associated with ESPN Plus and a lot of content on the ESPN Plus app um, and much more. So we'll, we'll get into that a couple more times before we're done here probably. But philsteel.com, go find the mag while it stays on the shelves. I have talked to several people. I'm in Florida that have been looking. This is good for you. They've been looking for the magazine and having trouble finding it because it is sold out in the different stores. So there's a little demand for the preview here with a couple of weeks to go in the season. So that's a good thing. Uh, all right, yeah, let me hit you with a couple is. more. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that is a good thing. Yeah, it's absolutely a good thing, and I tell you where it tells out the best, TJ, is down south. <laughs> in the south, they love college football, so pretty much when it gets to be the middle of August, you're not going to find it on the, this newsstands anymore. You better, you better go grab it while you can or go get the digital subscription if you can. Um, all right, if I say to you, uh, look, uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, uh, uh, Jake Fromm at Georgia, those three quarterbacks are obviously heavily favored to be in New York for the Heisman Trophy presentation and one of them to possibly win it. So wipe all of those three favorites away. Give me a Phil Steele dark horse that has a legitimate chance to be in New York, if not win the award. Give me one. Yeah, I'm going to throw a couple more names at you, and then I'm going to give you a real big dark horse. Uh, Shea Patterson of Michigan, if Michigan runs the table this year, went over Ohio State, new offense. He could put up the stats to get there. Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma, I mean, how can you not have him on your list? And Sam Ellinger of Texas, if they knock off Oklahoma, all of a sudden he vaults to the front. But here's right. one, big-time long shot. I think he's like 200-1. to one. And it's Joe Burrow of LSU. Now, LSU's also moving their offense to a more quarterback-friendly offense this year. Burrow last year joined the team right before the fall, and they used him as a game manager those first nine games of the season, first ten games. But over the last three games, about nine touchdowns, just one interception. He's got good receivers, solid offensive line, and LSU's actually favored in every game except one this year. That would be the Alabama game. If Joe Burrow goes and upsets two head-to-head in that game, all of a sudden he vaults to the top. Great value right now, 200-1 to odds to win the Heisman. How about that name? And of course, you've got you've got some running backs. AJ Dillon, one of the top uh, names out of the ACC. I just don't know if he can get enough pub and they can win enough big games on on national stages uh, for him to get there. And it's become such you know this, Phil. It's become such a quarterback driven award over the last fifteen to twenty years. It, it, you know, you occasionally have had like a Derrick Henry breakthrough as a running back or Mark Ingram, two of the Alabama running backs. But over and over again, it's a QB. It's a QB. It's a QB taking home this award, so let's see uh, which one might rise uh, to the forefront. All right, a couple more fun ones. This publication is literally about half an inch thick. You work on it all year long, uh, hours and hours and hours. Just give the give the folks an idea of, are, are you taking like a little break on working on the 2020 publication now that the season's about to start, or are you working on 2020 <laughs> even this fall? Yeah, we we start on the 2020 magazine uh, a little bit right after the, the other magazine goes to the press. Uh, you know, there's always stuff to do the angles for next year. Uh, we're starting to log in some of the matchups and things like that. But to be honest with you, TJ, we go full bore into magazine season the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And that's when some of the team seasons are complete. And then we can start doing the first write-through process, which is a postseason write-through. Then we do a pre-spring write-through and a post-spring write-through after I talk to all the coaches. This year I talked to uh, 110 of the 130 coaches out wow. there. So that was 
good conversation. We come out later than everybody else does. We came, uh, we send our last page of the press at the end of May, a full six months after we get started. But it gives us an advantage. The other magazines were already on the newsstand, and yet there's all these transfers going on in the month of May, so they couldn't possibly keep track of all that. Uh, it gives us a large advantage, and people will wait to get this magazine because it is the most uh, in-depth one. It's got three to four times the amount of information, but it's a six-month process. Got about 15 people, including myself, working on it while we started right now. We go full bore the Sunday after Thanksgiving. When you started this, and you're in, what, the 21st edition, but you probably started doing this back back in the 80s at some point. Did you fathom that this would become what it has become with how thick this thing is and how many people are working with you on it? Phil? No, I did not. And in fact, that first year we put out the magazine, uh, you know, somebody came into my office and they saw the notes that I was compiling on all the teams on every single one. And they said, why don't you turn that into a magazine? So we did that first year. It was 25 years ago. It's actually our silver anniversary. And it was 1995. And then we put the first one out. It was black and white newsprint. I believe it was about 180 pages. We covered only 88 teams back then. Now we're 352 pages, full color, regional covers. And, you know, that first issue, TJ, it, it was regional because we had 12 little pictures of players on the cover. So that was my regional cover back then was try to get as many players on one cover as possible. Now, of course, we've got regions and uh, it, it's quite right. a bit different. Well, because no, I did not, did not to your point, it. I mean, if you're in the South, you don't want to read about the Big Ten guys as much or the West Coast guys as much. So you don't want them on the cover of the magazine or as much even though the content's the same. But if you're in the West, you don't care as much about seeing Tua and Trevor Lawrence. Or if you're in Big Ten country, you don't care as much about about seeing about Jalen Hurts or Khalil Tate, the Arizona quarterback. So that's one of the genius parts of what you've done with your marketing. I tip the hat to you to put those different players on uh, to, to get everybody uh, all hyped up. Uh, okay, a couple more fun ones with Phil Steele here before you have to run. You 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 constantly show photos of like your man cave or your lab with all your TVs. Confess to our audience right here. What is the most number of games that you're able to keep up with at once on a given Saturday? Is it like six or seven? Because at some point I go ADD, Phil. I can't keep up with more than four or five games at the same time. What about for you? Well, I think I'm Diamond Dew's biggest uh, user, so <laughs> that keeps me going on a Saturday. Uh, you know, I got 12 TVs in front of me, TJ, and sometimes I'll slap a 13th one up there. I can oh. keep track of every single play of, let's say, four games. Right. Then the next ring, which are five games, uh, I can keep track of every single series of those in my head. And then the final ones, way out on the outside there, I can keep track of well the other the other ones would be probably every other series in those games so I can tell who's winning who's losing but uh, yeah to keep track of every play of every oh, game no. it would be, probably be four to now, six now now the funniest thing that I have that. to ask what kind of splitter do you have for like all the wires and all the stuff to have thirteen TVs in the same room I mean you got to have some kind of like menagerie of of wires and cables that are going to all those screens. Yeah, 12 different boxes of DirecTV, and each one has their own remote control, which we put right underneath the TV. And if you want to change that TV, you just walk up to it with that particular remote and throw it on there. And 
Actually, I have people come in and set the office up at you know at noon and at three thirty, oh, just so I can uh, keep track of the games. Yeah, it's it's a, okay. Like, hey, what TJ? It's it's a lot of work, but somebody's got to do it. Yeah, huh? no doubt. Watching all the games. Okay, a couple more fun ones. What is the food? And is it the same food every? Because if you're there from noon to like seven or eight p.m., you got to eat at some. What's the food? And is it the same food every week in the Phil Steele Man Cave compound in the office? No, it does vary, and uh, it's pretty much whatever some. He goes out and gets from brings it then. I am a seafood eater, which means if I see food, I will eat it. <laughs> so I would prefer not to have that much food in here. So I try to keep that limited or else I would probably weigh about 380 pounds. I understand. And then do you ever, I mean, look, we're all, we're all like human nature. Do you ever get to like mid-October and you get to like 10 p.m. at night where you've had another Saturday where you've watched 17 games already and you're going, my Lord, all the Mountain Dew in the world's not helping me through Arizona State and Cal right now. Does it ever get to that point with you? It it, it does, but then again, you still have to keep doing it because I, I do pride myself in watching every game that's out there. But, yeah, you're right. There are times where it does become a little bit of a drudgery, whereas most folks would think watching 12 games all day long is just pure heaven. Yeah. Well, but after a while, it, it can uh, it can wear on you. All right, one more time. Let's plug away. I have the Bible here in front of me, the Phil Steele College Football Preview, the magazine that, again, if, if, you're, uh, if you're scrambling, find it because it, it may be gone by now because the, the full season will start uh, the weekend of, of August the 31st. But, uh, again, plug away on not just the magazine but the digital subscription and how they see and, and read and watch more of you, Phil. Go ahead. I appreciate that, TJ. Uh, the magazine, 352 pages, is out there. Uh, if it's not sold out, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Books a Million, CBS, Target, Walgreens, Public, places like that. Uh, if you don't find the hard copy, you can go to philsteel.com, which is S-T-E-E-L-E.com. When you go there, you can order the hard copy, or you can get the digital magazine, as TJ mentioned, which is in your iPad, your iPhone, your Android device, Kindle, or even your computer. And once you get it on one device, you get it on all five devices. Uh, and we also have a weekly newsletter, which is uh, out there. All that information is on philsteel.com. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at philsteel042. And on ESPN, you can follow me uh, at ESPN+. Plus. If you're not already with ESPN+, Plus, it's a great deal. It's like four ninety nine a month, and you get all these games you can watch. Yep. I mean, they're, they're going to have like tons of games that aren't on TV. You just go to ESPNplus.com slash philsteel.com. And you can uh, pick up your subscription there. And at four ninety nine a month, it's a steal. Watch one game and it's worth it. You can watch like uh, an extra 30, 40 games every month. And they have archives of older games and all kinds of different features if you're a college football fan and Phil is part of that. And I know you got a YouTube channel that's coming too if they go to philsteel.com. Uh, they'll see videos from you. I don't know when this man sleeps starting next weekend <laughs> for the games all the way through college football's uh, end of the regular season and the, and the playoff and the, and the bowl games. But uh, he tries to squeeze in some time to rest and sleep and do other things. Phil, thank you. I know it's a labor of love with you and your staff to have the preview out. It's a treat to get to read it. It's a treat to get to talk to you. Uh, let's have some fun and watch what happens and watch on what unfolds in this college football season. Thank you, sir. Hey, always great talking football with you, TJ. Really enjoyed it today.
And a reminder, Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanVest Wagering Exchange. Sign up now for the Pro Football Portfolio Challenge. It's new. It's a great way to experience the uh, the pro football season, fantasy sports. You trade teams like the stock market, buy low, sell high, invest in your teams, weekly contests, and a season-long contest for free. Cash prizes and a lot more at FanVestWageringExchange.com. Go sign up. Fan FanVestWageringExchange.com, the stock market of sports. Check it out and start playing the weekly game or the season-long contest. Invest in those teams like the stock market. It's free at FanVestWageringExchange.com. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Oh, yeah. The the weekend is called Weekend Zero. So there are only a couple of games and a huge one of note in the state where I live. Of course, most people think I live in the state of confusion, but I actually live in the state of Florida. And as part of Three Dog Thursday, oh, looky here. Uh, top 10 preseason Florida Gators taking on... Miami Hurricanes, neutral field, Camping World Stadium in Orlando, and the longtime Hall of Fame voice of the Florida Gators is Mick Hubert, who is spending a minute or two with me as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. First of all, great to have you. And as I've already said earlier uh, in this podcast, now we know it's football season. When I get to talk to Mick Hubert, okay, now we know it is football season. It is game week. Can we believe it? How are you? Hey, TJ, I'm doing great. And yeah, the week earlier than normal, so we had to kind of ratchet it up quickly, but uh, we're ready to go. It should be an exciting game Saturday night in Orlando. Oh, no doubt. And so this is a rivalry that used to be all of the time. Now it has only been every once in a while. The two teams have not played. The two schools have not played since 2013. But but still, there's a lot of anticipation, Mick, for this game. What about around Gainesville and around the Gators and the faithful and the fans that you've been around? There's a lot of anticipation for this opening game, right? Yeah, there really is, because uh, Dan Mullen came in, really, and inherited uh, nothing short of a train wreck, really, coming off the previous regime. They won four games, and he elevated that to 10. People saw an improvement in, in Felipe Franks, and you know the Gators closed the season very strong and then and mashed Michigan in the bowl game, so... You know, sure, there's a heightened uh, level of expectation now with a 10-win season in, in the in the rearview mirror. And then when you open with a rival, and even though we haven't played a whole lot, it's still an in-state opponent. A lot of these guys went to high school together, played on the same teams, and played against each other. So from that standpoint, you know, it, it, it's a little different feeling for a season opener. So that's why I think it's a, it's an exciting contest. And, you know, Dan Mullen uh, had uh, Manny Diaz on his staff at Mississippi State for a couple of different seasons, so they know each other very well. And while it's Dan's second year, it's the first year being the head coach for Manny Diaz at Miami. So uh, there's some familiarity there among the coaches and players. Well, you mentioned that, that these two head coaches are kind of intertwined and the fact that Manny Diaz is a is a first-time head coach. I wonder from the Gators' standpoint, I mean, you can obviously look at the defense and the Gators know what Dan Enos was able to do some with the Alabama offense and with the quarterbacks, but a little of this is going to be an unknown uh, with the coaching style because it's a first game with Diaz as the head coach and Enos as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, sure. There's some, I'm sure, no matter how experienced you are, 
there's some break-in period there, you know, when getting together and getting that chemistry together. And, and, and from Dan Mullen's perspective, really the Florida coaching staff, they've been together a long time, especially as a core of those guys right. that were here, you know, they're here the last time and they were here prior to that when they were at Utah and Bowling Green. So they've been around for a while and uh, that, that gives a little bit of an edge in that standpoint to Florida. And then you look at the Miami, uh, you know, Jerry Williams uh, got the job August 12th as a starting quarterback. This will be his first career start. Only played one game last year. He's got a strong arm, and he's a better athlete than a lot of people think. So he's got an upside, but there's also a learning curve there under a new system with a new quarterback. So, you know, I think you'd have to give a little checkmark edge to Florida in that regard, too, because we saw Felipe Franks improve a lot last year from game one to the end. And Felipe went into last season, I think, with a little bit more experience than Jaron Williams has. So I think, uh, you know, there's a little edge for Florida. And having said all of that, TJ, uh, can Miami beat Florida? Sure they can. But I think uh, the odds are that the, the Gators should be able to win this game if they don't implode and self-destruct. Love that. This is uh, the voice of the Florida Gators. Mick Hubert's been doing it now for 30-plus years in the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. Just went into the Hall of Fame induction uh, a year ago into the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. Legendary voice uh, of those Gators. Uh, Felipe Franks, uh, he has spoken a bunch this offseason about how much Dan Mullen has meant to him, not just on the field, but in, tor- in terms of mentoring him as a young man, helping him, helping him grow up, air quotes, if you want, just say something about Frank's development and that that relationship here over the, the last year and a half, let's say, with Dan Mullen coming in as the head coach and, and overseeing the offense. Well, there certainly isn't any quarterback controversy at Florida now because Felipe Franks uh, matured last year, and I think they're looking for him to take another step uh, higher up the ladder, if you will, this year. I think Dan Mullen's a, an outstanding play caller. And I think he won a couple of games for Florida last year by his play calling, knowing what Felipe Franks can and can't do. And so I think he minimized uh, those things that weren't his strength. And as a result, uh, uh, Felipe got a little bit of uh, success, and that grew his confidence. And so now he comes in uh, with a better understanding of the offense. He got, he's got talented uh, receivers with some depth. He's got talented and deep running backs. Uh, Florida needs to secure its offensive line, which is the story of a lot of teams. But I think their offensive line will be okay. And so as a result, I I think uh, they feel pretty good about where they are from an offensive standpoint. Just a couple of moments left. Florida and Miami Saturday night in Orlando, national television. You'll be able to hear Mick calling the game with Lee McGriff and the Florida Gator radio broadcast. Uh, however you can find the game online, tune in, Sirius XM, and the Gators radio broadcast uh, does a fantastic job calling those those Gator games. Well, the history of this rivalry goes, goes back 50, 60 years. They announced this week they're going to play home and home in the next decade. First game in Gainesville 2024, next game the following year uh, in Miami in 2025. There's just something special when you have a state rival at a high level. Both these programs have won a bunch of national titles in the past. I mean, this is fun for out of conference, not for an SEC game for Florida. This, this is a, there's a lot of intrigue, and there'll be a lot of people all over the country paying attention to this because they know the history, at least in the last thirty years or so, of Florida and Miami, Mick. Yeah, TJ, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, you know ESPN asked to, to move this game up to feature it as the, the the kickoff of the 150th season of college football. 
you know, Arizona's playing Hawaii out in Hawaii later, but this is the only game in the mainland in week zero. So the curious thing about this is one of these teams is going to be 0-1 going into week one. <laughs> that's not <laughs> – that's a little unusual. So that 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 puts another emphasis on you, you want to win this game. Now, having said that, I think whoever loses this game, their season is far from over. There's a lot that goes on in the rest of the season, and there's a lot of the jockeying in, in in November with the polls and whatnot. But uh, you do get a little bit of a head start, a little momentum builder if you can win this opening game. I know, I know you know this, and there's a fascinating note. The year that Miami won its first national title with Howard Schnellenberger, Bernie Kosar, Florida Gators beat them in the opening week, in the opening game, and then they ran off 12 in a row, including beating Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. So you do never know, even off of a loss in the opening game. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Mick Hubert, thank you. I know you are busy. You're getting ready for the game. Uh, you're ready to yell, go Gators, about 57 times, I think, for Saturday <laughs> night. Thank you for spending some time with me here as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast, sir. Thanks so much, TJ. appreciate it. Always being, love being on with you. Thank you. Having a lot of fun on the kickoff edition of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Reminder again, subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Our friends at Red Circle Podcasting also helping out. But you can go wherever you get your podcast and subscribe and rate the show and rank the show. It'll move up uh, in the rankings. Uh, listen, I want to go to a guy uh, here that we're going to go to frequently to help me out in terms of the Vegas angle. T.C. Martin is in Las Vegas. He's been a longtime radio host really all over the West, but also in Las Vegas. Uh, I love his insight. You can find him at the T.C. Martin Show, tcmartinshow.com. He is in Vegas, and it is all about to unfold here with the college football season. First of all, how are you, and are you as amped up as I am and a lot of other college football fans are? TJ, pumped up, fired up, revved up, ready to rock and roll. And as you said, this weekend it starts for real. The earliest college football (laughs) kickoff that we've had ever. So I'm ready. Yes, and and even though we only get like an appetizer with the uh, the Gators in Miami and Hawaii and Arizona, we get the full buffet. Vegas is is famous for their buffets. We get like three buffets coming next weekend on Labor Day weekend. Uh, so we're anxious to to see that. Okay, so uh, look, everybody believes Alabama and Clemson will be part of the college football playoff. Uh, why not? They have been the last four years in the semifinals, if not playing each other in the championship game. So if I were to say to you. Fill out the other two on that uh, Final Four bracket. Who are the other two teams that you really like going into this college football season? I really like Georgia, and it wouldn't surprise me right now. I'm going to say it right now that Georgia could win it all. They're going to be my pick to win it all, so I'm going to bypass them over Alabama and Clemson. I know it's kind of a a semi-bold statement, and again, I hate really to to talk too much about futures and what's going to happen down the road because – anything can happen, especially injuries in college football, as we know. But I I like Georgia, definitely. And then uh, there's a slew of teams I think they could sneak in for the number four slot, and I'm thinking that it could be Oklahoma, it could be Ohio State, it could be Texas, it could be LSU, it could be Florida, it could be Notre Dame, it could be Michigan, (laughs) but it's going to be one of those, TJ. And if you say, I've got to give you a fourth right now, I'm going to say the Irish. 
Really? Notre Dame. And Notre Dame was there a year ago and got embarrassed by Clemson in the semifinal game. Uh, I mean, Ian Book back at quarterback. And, and look, they, I mean, Brian Kelly has had them hovering around uh, championship contention because remember two years ago, they were kind of hovering around college playoff contention and then Miami beat them badly late in the year. Um, so it, it, the Irish always seem to be able to hang around. Uh, in this, so that's an interesting pick there for the fourth. Now, you've got the odds in front of you. Give me a team that you think right now has great value on the Vegas boards uh, to make the college football playoff, if not win the national championship, that isn't one of the favorites. TC, what would you say? Well, I'm going to go back to, to Georgia, and we're talking about them being the third choice right now, but the third choice is 6-1, to one, which there is some value with a Georgia team right there that you know, again, that they can play with Alabama or Clemson. I mean, they've played with them in the past. They can do it again. They're stock loaded on both sides of the football. So even though they're a third choice, they're six to one, and you know they're going to be there if they stay injury free, especially with Fromm, a quarterback who continues to get better and better. So I think that is value, believe it or not, when you're talking six to one. And some of those other teams that I that I mentioned, you know, that could possibly sneak in like a LSU or Texas. We're talking 25 to 1 with those guys. And I mentioned Notre Dame at 50 to 1. I think all of those are, are, are live dogs. And no one's even really talking about Oklahoma Sooner team that's 14 or 15 to 1. So, again, a lot of value. And I, and I place value as somebody that, that is going to be in contention down the stretch that is at least double digit odds. Or, you know, I wouldn't be saying Georgia, even though as much as I like them, but if they were, you know, two to one like uh, Alabama or Clemson right. is right now. So, again, six to one for Georgia for me and any of those other ones at double digit odds, very live wires. And what, and what about Texas again? You may have said it there in the barrage. Where are they right now to win the national championship on the boards, the Longhorns? Tw- 25 to one currently here in Vegas. And so that's an interesting one to me in terms of, like you're saying, value if you were going to take the risk. Yes, the schedule. I mean, they they play uh, Louisiana Tech, LSU, Rice out of the uh, out of the conference. Okay, those should be three wins. The LSU game is a home game, but that's going to be it's going to be obviously a knockdown, dragout, non conference game. But it could be a resume builder in the conference. Yes, they go to West Virginia. Yes, they go to TCU, and late in the year at Iowa State. Who, my God, we got to consult the Bible, the Book of Revelation about the world ending. That Iowa State is ranked in the preseason top twenty five. So they play in Ames. Texas does in November, and that's not necessarily a pushover game. I still, the, the Longhorns might be a good dark horse national title team uh, with Erlinger back as, as quarterback and that kind of stuff. They could be. I mean, for me, we still got to, you know, Texas has to prove themselves to me because we, we talk about them every year, and we know they had some, some down seasons. And going back to when Charlie Strong was there, they really underachieved. But this is a, a university, a team that continues to get blue chip talent. And they're a couple of years removed from really, you know, being a bad football team. So this could be the year. But for me, I'm not going to go crazy with Texas. They're going to have to prove it to me first here. And like you said, in that conference, you never know what can happen when you go to West Virginia in Ames, Iowa, especially late in the season with Ames playing on the grass there. I mean, that that is a tough place to play. And we don't have the schedule in front of us right now because it can all change as far as when the game is going to be scheduled. But especially if you get like a Saturday night game in Ames, right. Iowa, right. look out. So, again, Texas, they're going to need to prove it to me. All right, so in terms of the Heisman Trophy, we know that Tua Tagovailoa 
Uh, Taylor Lawrence, Jake Fromm, they are the favorites. You were talking about Fromm a little while ago and that Georgia may be a contender for the national title uh, and should be. If it's not those three, give me somebody that's a value play with the Vegas odds right now that you're looking at, TC. I'll give you, I'll give you a double-digit one right now. And You mentioned all quarterbacks. You didn't mention the best running back in the game of college football, and that's Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. This guy's going to be getting over probably 25, 30 carries a game. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He'll have tons of touchdowns if he stays healthy. That is a little bit of a question mark. But we're talking about a guy who will probably be knocking on the door of 2,000-yard season. I like Jonathan Taylor. And, again, you know, we're going to look at quarterbacks, but let's bring back the running back for a change here. i got to go Taylor. You know, you did some radio work in Wisconsin, in Green Bay, in your in your past. You've talked to me about that, and of course, Ron Dane is uh, is arguably as famous a, a Wisconsin football player this side of like Aaron Rodgers, Paul Horning winning the Heisman Trophy. Aaron Rodgers now with the Packers because Ron Dane won the Heisman. Now we're we're old enough to remember this TC back twenty years ago. So maybe Jonathan Taylor can do something like that. Um, I don't know to that extent. Uh, to help him uh, go try to win a Heisman Trophy uh, as well uh, for the Wisconsin uh, Badgers. All right, so a couple more moments. You're out west. Is there a team in the western United States that intrigues you? Uh, USC, is Clay Hilton going to hang on to that job? Uh, is there is there a team that intrigues you right now in the western half of the country? Because we've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about the south in particular. Mm-hmm. Two teams, and they're both in the Pac-12. You know, one is Utah. That's kind of a conventional, you know, pick. Very well-coached team, very disciplined team. They can run the football. And, again, anytime you're talking about contenders, you got to talk about teams that uh, are, are built on defense. And the, and the Utes are definitely that. And then I'm going to go to the opposite side of that and talk a little offense. I am kind of curious of what Chip Kelly's going to do at UCLA. And from what – I'm hearing he had a all-star recruiting class uh, you know, the last two seasons here. So I'm kind of interested to see what he's going to have. Now, last year was a throwaway year. We know that. He's got himself a quarterback that could be pretty decent, and the UCLA schedule is not all that tough. So I'm kind of curious with UCLA. And you want to talk about the long odds there? UCLA, you want him? 301. <laughs> that is a long shot. And again, they do. They open up at Cincinnati on the opening weekend on the Friday night uh, and then play Oklahoma at the Rose Bowl a couple of weeks later with San Diego State sandwiched in between. But you're right. I mean, Chip Kelly did not have a whole lot to work with last year, and maybe they make a splash coming up here uh, for this season. Look, uh, we're all amped up for the college football season to get underway. I I want the fans to be able to find you. Let's plug away. Uh, Again, tcmartinshow.com to find out more about where you're broadcasting. Uh, You're a great follow on Twitter as well, at tcmartin21. I got that right as well. What else are we plugging, uh, Mighty One, here as part of Three Dog Thursday? There you go, man. That's what you're plugging. It's all good. Uh, again, and uh, the broadcast voice of the Las Vegas Aces, don't hate on the WNBA. <laughs> don't hesitate. Participate. The Aces <laughs> looking tough, baby. Top three right now. Clinch the playoff spot last week. Liz Cambage, 6'8", Asian Wilson, reigning rookie of the year. Look out, baby. Las Vegas Aces, follow the WNBA, and you can make money in the WNBA. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so he's the voice of the of the aces there, the WNBA. He's monitoring college football. We'll be checking in with him a bunch as the year goes on. T.C. Martin, a treat. Thank you for being part of me kicking things back off with Three Dog Thursday here in August as the football season, the college football season first, and then the NFL season are getting underway. Thank you, my friend. Anytime, TJ. Look forward to being with you during the course of the year. And that will do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. My thanks again to Phil Steele. Go to philsteele.com to find out more about the preview edition. It's on uh, newsstands, bookstores, Target, Walmart, all over the country, all over the globe, wherever you're hearing us, you can go to philsteele.com and order the actual magazine or do the digital subscription, as Phil talked about, and it will go to up to five different devices, your phone, your laptop, your iPad, where you've got all of this info Great info, philsteel.com to find out more. We thank him for being on to help preview the college football season. Gators and Miami Hurricanes in the state of Florida, Saturday night in Orlando, humongous college game. Uh, thanks to Mick Hubert, the voice of the Florida Gators, for being on with me. He calls the Gator games and has been doing so now for the better part of four decades of Florida football, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. He's in the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. A treat to have him on. And again, T.C. Martin with the Vegas angle. Love T.C.'s insight. Give him a follow. Uh, TCMartinShow.com on the web. TCMartin21 on uh, Twitter. He's a great follow with insight on all the college football, uh, on the teams, handicapping underdogs. Of course, we love underdogs here, and we'll be making many more underdog predictions coming up. Again, subscribe to this podcast, however you found it. Subscribe iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It'll come automatically to you. Spread the word. Rate the podcast. We'll be making many more predictions on the actual games. I think the Gators will win and win convincingly in that matchup with Miami. No underdogs for me this week, but we've got a full slate of college football all next weekend to make underdog predictions on. And in two weeks, the NFL is here. Anxious for the NFL's 100th season to get underway, 150th college season, 100th NFL season getting underway. We're ready to talk all about it. As always, follow this show on social media, on Twitter, at 3 Dog Thursday. Uh, we are always keeping you in tune with everything going on with this show through social media. And again, you can follow me at Buck Sideline Guy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast at BUC, Buck Sideline Guy. Uh, as Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, and I get ready to call another Tampa Bay Buccaneers season with Bruce Arians as the new head coach, Jameis Winston. We're ready to see what the Bucs can do this year. So you can follow me there at Buck Sideline Guy. Follow this podcast at Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Rate the podcast. Tell us how much you love it. It'll move up in the rankings. Spread the word. It is the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs. Enjoy the kickoff to the college football season with Florida and Miami, Arizona, and Hawaii. We're ready to go full board next week with all the college games. In two weeks, it's the NFL. Thank you for being with me. Here is part of Three Dog Thursday. Bye.